Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. The film is called The Speed Cubers. It's the story of basically a world of people who are obsessed with a Rubik's Cube and who not only are obsessed with it, but also uh, enter into competitions, worldwide competitions that include world records. And all. it's a wonderful kind of interesting subculture of of uh, of sport. It's really it really yeah. is a sport. The film and again, and it's also the Speed Cubers is also about the relationship that develops between two of the best players in the world, and that's Max Park and Felix Simdigs, and how they become friends, but also about the Park family. Max is autistic, and to watch their family embrace speed cubing and embrace Max and it Max really seems to be growing as a human being. And, and it's a wonderful film really is. It just kind of blew me away. You don't know what to expect when you start watching uh, in any documentary film, but this one is very warm hearted and it, it it explores a lot of different aspects of life just in in unexpected ways. And we're joined today by the director as well as the producer of the film. And that would be Sue Kim. Sue, welcome to film school radio. Thanks so much for having me. Hi, Mike. I know that was a little bit of a long-winded um, explanation, but that's all the things that really go into making this happen, making the Speed Cubers uh, such a wonderful experience. Tell me what drew you to this. How did you get involved? It kind of uh, fell in my lap in that I'm actually a speed cubing parent. So my son is a speed cuber. Um, and so, yeah, it, it happened just like that. He basically picked up the cube, kind of got interested. He was about 11. Um, and then started getting faster and faster via like YouTube tutorials. And then one day he told me, mom, there's these competitions for cubing and there's going to be one in Portland, which is where we live, uh, like next month. Can we go? And of course I'm like, yes, whatever you want to do, let's go. And I thought it would be sort of like a passing fancy or just like whiling away a few hours of our afternoon. And instead we, we entered this like church auditorium and it just was this explosion of like motion and activity and clicking and clacking and people running to and from tables trying to solve and slamming their cubes down. And it just was so kind of electric feeling the minute we walked in. So I was hooked immediately on this world. Did you take your camera the first time? Did you just... You did? I didn't. Oh, you did? I didn't. No, I know. I didn't. I really didn't expect that much. I, for some reason, I imagine it to be more of an intellectual and studious environment, like maybe a chess, a competitive chess match where like everyone's sort of quiet. And instead, it's not like that at all. It's, it's an absolute explosion of activity and, and everyone's slamming their cubes down to get as fast for time. And if they do well, they like yelp in victory and with fist pumps. And then, you know, as you saw in the film too, when they don't do well, they like literally head in hand, just cursing at the gods. It's a very weirdly traumatic little competitive world. So I, I didn't know it would be like that. Um, so unfortunately I did, I had my, I had my phone camera. So I, I took a few videos of my son, but um, no, it took, it took that first introduction yeah. to realize what storytelling potential there was here. Well, you know, for me, I would compare this in terms of like a cinematic, unexpected cinematic experience to the spelling bee. 
the film mm-hmm. and where again you wouldn't really expect a lot of kind of the electricity in the air yeah. the right. kind of the sense of the intensity of the of the circumstances but that reminds me of that's those two kind of remind me of that that same sort of like oh this these are this is really yeah. intense and really interesting yeah. stuff and the personalities involved too mm-hmm. right same with same in the same way um so where along the way did you get to an opportunity to meet Max and Felix, Max Park and yep. Felix Simdig? So it was probably a couple years after my son had started cubing. I had, at that point, I already knew I wanted to make a documentary about this world. Um, and at, at that time, it was potentially going to be more of an overview of the world, like how how they solve and all the different puzzles that they solve and all the different competitors, kind of like a, like a more typical competition format where maybe you um, kind of do an overview of the whole landscape and you pick maybe four or five of maybe the top competitors to see how they do. Um, but what happened was we went to, my son and I went to the U.S. Nationals a few years ago. He was competing. I was uh, filming and also picking up some like ideas of potential storylines. And that was the first time I had seen Felix and Max in the same room. So I knew of them, of course, because they were both sort of equally the best in the world. There's lore about their rivalry of like, oh, Max, Felix has been dominant for so long, but Max is starting to unseat him. Who's going to win at the next competition? And what happened was I saw them as the two biggest rivals going into this competition. But then when I saw them, they were always together. They were always cubing and practicing together, sitting and laughing together. Felix was always sort of bringing Max into the bigger groups of the other kind of fast cubers. You know, Max would sort of follow Felix around. It just, it was so visibly obvious that they had this burgeoning friendship and that it was in the, at the same time amidst the two most fierce and heated rivals in a competition format. And I I just had never seen that before. I'd never seen a rivalry that included so much friendship and kindness and true like bonding. Uh, they really stuck together though, everywhere. But at the same time, I saw them competing very fiercely at this competition, both trying desperately to win. So that's, that's when the story took a sharp right turn for me and it became the Felix and Max story because I couldn't look away. I was so moved by their obvious and apparent friendship, but I was also so like holding my breath while they're competing, wondering who was going to win and how the other would, would react, you know? Yeah. It, at, I would say at that competition, that's when it became very clear that that, that should be the focal point of the story, even if it's embedded in the world of speed cubing. At what point did you know that Max was autistic? I knew prior to that competition that he was autistic, which made their friendship even more touching and poignant to me is that Max at that point was, he had beaten Felix at the world championships the year before, and it was a complete shock to everyone. He sort of emerged on the global stage at that competition. And a lot of people didn't know about his autism at that time. And then his parents had released, they'd made a short video about his autism with a cubing videographer within the community. And they did that because they wanted to make sure that people understood um, that Max is autistic because a lot of times if they didn't know that he was in competitions, they tried to come up to him and talk to him. And Max is absolutely like friendly, 
loving, lovable human, but he also, sometimes he's not, he won't answer a direct question or he'll just walk off to a kid that doesn't know that he's autistic. That feels very, you know, unfriendly. And they just wanted to make sure that the community understood, Hey, he's a little quirky. So if he doesn't talk to you, it's not you. And he's not being unfriendly, just come up to us and, and we'll, we'll manage, we'll help kind of manage that. So I knew that because of the video they had released. And and also for a young kid, let's say your son were to walk up to Max and not know that. Yeah. That's that's that would be um unduly cruel to that to your son in, in, yeah. in this example, because he wouldn't know. And of course you wouldn't have any context for that otherwise. And along those lines, at what point did you approach the Park family about kind of diving into their personal life? Because that's a really great part of the of the telling of this story they're sharing their story with us i approached them maybe about three four months after that competition where i realized that that was going to be the story and i i just kind of um cold emailed schwan uh, max's dad they were of course initially reticent at first to have any anyone uh filming max or or making any kind of content about him they, they had actually been approached by several organizations like ESPN, Megyn Kelly, Vice. There were many different media platforms that wanted to do profiles on Max, and they had always said no. And that's just because they're very protective and loving, and they want to make sure that Max is portrayed as a multidimensional human being. And they could kind of tell the way that these outlets approached them, that there was a very sort of one-dimensional story that they wanted to tell about Max is autistic and he can do this thing really well. And so I think that's why they had previously said no to press up to that point. I, I think the fact that I was a cubing parent is what sold them on that because the, the cubing universe, it's this really idyllic universe where everyone is kind and goodwill and good sportsmanship. There, It's an unspoken rule. You're not allowed to have a big ego. You're not allowed to pitch a fit if someone else wins. Like it's just this really lovely self-governing world. And I think they knew if I was a part of that world, I'm not going to do anything to disrupt it. I'm not going to do anything to endanger it. I'm not going to portray them or Max unfairly or in any kind of negative way because we want to protect that world. It's such a unlikely, lovely universe. Our minor listeners, we're we're talking with uh, Sue Kim. She is the director and producer of the film called The Speed Cubers, and it has been shortlisted for Academy Award consideration for the final five as a short form documentary. Congratulations. Thank you. A little more about Max and his family. As you mentioned, uh, Schwan, the um, father, has a very touching story about, and also as well as Mickey, his his mom, or their Max's mom, and uh, the moment that they came to the realization that Max was autistic, they had kind of this cathartic moment. And there are that's not the only part of the their their family life that that we see we see them together just doing things as any family would and how max is growing as a person and uh and i say this only because uh i was deeply affected by that part of the story but also there's a terrific documentary that i don't know if you've seen called the reason i jump i haven't seen it but so many people have recommended it to me i'm I'm going to watch it. This is, you're like the fifth person to tell me it's so amazing. So. Well, I, I, because, and it is for a lot of reasons, but I think that it's 
I know it's the first time I know of, where we get a window into the world because it's based on a book by a 14-year-old Japanese boy who spoke to the world saying, this is what I'm going, this is my world. Yeah. I may I may behave in a certain way that is unusual or hard for you to understand, but I'm in here and yeah. I want to be able to relate. And every time I see something with, with someone who's autistic, I can't help but think back on that and how that yeah. sort of in, you know influences the way I look at the character, the person. And uh, going back to the speed cubers, it's just a terrific part of the story. It's a terrific part of understanding how Felix and Max relate to one another and how wonderful a person Felix is yeah, as well. Truly. Yeah. Well, I mean, he is, he is really what you see on, on film. He's, he's always been kind of revered within the Cuban community for his kindness. Like he's known for just dropping everything to take a photo with someone or to sign someone's cube or to, and he's spent a, a good part of his life making, building a website to tell people some of his like cubing tricks and to kind of help other cubers so it, you know, the way he is and has been with Max is just so consistent with his character and how he's been sort of this elder statesman in this Cuban community and just completely very aspirational and yeah. a hero to a lot of those kids. Yeah, he seems to embody the thing you were talking about earlier in terms of the the Cuban universe, right? The people who yeah. were involved in this. Wonderful film. And just as a, a filmmaker, what, what, what sort of the reaction that, that you received a few weeks ago when you realized you're on the shortlist for this? I, I, I was, I was stunned. I mean, um, my producer partner and I sort of submitted the film a little bit, just like, well, let's just try it. But we, you know, we knew we were a long shot going in everyone told us that in, in, the, in a very kind way of like, you know, there's no one that that's attached to the film that's in the Academy. We don't have any like influential people on our team. This is a real like labor of love passion project. And this was my first film. We knew it was, it was a long shot. So when we were actually, when we actually made the short list, I, yeah, I'm still in a state of shock a little bit. I mean, I'm sitting in so much gratitude about it, but still a little bit shocked. And, you know, I have seen of almost all of the shortlisted documentaries, some of them are pretty heavy, you know? Yeah. And so, and I mean, not to, that's not, not a knock in any way. They just are subjects that are, yeah. are kind of tough. And this is just a very, very different kind of tonally different. The story is very different. And yeah. I think that's one of the reasons it caught a lot of people's attention is because of that. It's just a happy film and introducing us into a world that we didn't know anything about. I always think those kind of films are, are always an eye catching experience. Just, I had no idea that this was like yeah. this and this yeah. world existed. That reaction is really common and that we, we found a lot of that sort of same reaction when it came out last year. And I think something that, weirdly ended up being kind of a, a great thing for the film when it when it was launched was last year was just you know a really difficult year and we were besides being in the middle of a global pandemic and quarantined we had all of the you know the election cycle news coming out and then we had George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movements and, and all the protests really highlighting all of the the inequality in the world and it, that's exactly when our film came out. It came out in July. So I, I think what happened was it actually worked in our favor and that a lot of people kind of clung to the 
sort of life affirming message of it or the humanity of it because we are all dealing with such dire issues and situations in our personal life that it, you, it is nice to see something that gives you hope for humanity and, oh, look, we're not all at war with each other. Some mm-hmm. of us are able to create this lovely connection of, of two disparate individuals, you know, that just tried to like understand each other better. I want to live in that world, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> that we see in cubers and in, I'm sorry, in the speed cubers. And just as you said, you know, and being that Felix has been kind of the uh, cuber held in the highest regard in terms of his ability, yeah. his, his long run as world champion, but setting the tone as well as, you know, or, yeah. or reinforcing the notion that this is a, this is a safe place for our, for all those people. So, yeah. Yeah, I do. It's funny because Schwan and Mickey and I have discussed, we, we, no one can quite figure out why the cubing universe is and has been for quite some time such a non-toxic, non-antagonistic competitive environment, like so many other competitive arenas can be. We don't know, no one really knows why, but our, our best guess is that Felix and his cohort, which were like kind of the first generation of really fast and influential cubers, they all modeled this behavior. And then they became these heroes to these younger cubers. And it's just like modeling behavior by example. It's sort of like ingrained within the culture by just them being wonderful human beings to each other, becoming all, they're all like best friends, even the fiercest competitors, they're all really close. It just, uh, it reinforced what Good, good behavior, modeling good behavior can do to communities by influencing them. Where there's a scene near the end of the film where Max is on stage competing in the last round of that of the the world championship or the worlds yeah. in, in in Sydney, Australia, and all the people that are clustered around uh, Felix or the people who are in the competition who are yeah. you know have a lot at stake, and they're yeah. all kind of high fiving each other during. Yeah. During, during when Max is going through, uh, you know, trying to compete, I, it's that's part of it. I have a theory. It's probably yeah. completely wrong. <laughs> I'd love to but, hear it. But I, what? Well, the activity itself is kind of an endorphin-inducing kind of activity, right? Yeah. You're standing there. You're challenging your brain. Your brain yes. is highly engaged in a very short burst of energy and intellectual prowess to try and make this happen. Yeah. Out of that, I can't imagine you wouldn't come away feeling you just succeeded it. It's in a very yeah. immediate, quick adrenaline rush, endorphin yes. inducing kind of. And I think that that probably creates a really nice feeling in, in, in the people who are doing this. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's, and that's actually, that is, I think, a big reason why this universe can get along so well is that it is to some degree an individual challenging themselves to do their personal best. So it is within a competitive format and there is going to be someone that wins every time, but it's not like a true competitive format where you win or you lose. Most, most kids and adults that compete in speed cubing they usually go to the competitions because they're trying to improve their personal best. Yeah. And that's all recorded. You know, but there's this amazing resource where everyone's personal best times are recorded and ranked. So it's less about trying to beat another competitor. And it's more about um, challenging yourself. And because of, because they're that antagonistic um, you versus them 
element is sort of removed, I think it does allow this sort of camaraderie. And like you said, this endorphin, like everyone's done really well. They're high-fiving. Yeah, yeah, it's a collective- I think it's an actual brain activity that would really- induce people to feel good. I, I, I can't, I cannot speak from any sort of personal experience (laughs) because like I said, the 10 minutes I tried to do it, I I just thought I would lose my mind. And, um, but I, but I am encouraged to pick it up again. To be honest with you, I'm sitting here going, well, it's good for you. It's just a good activity to be a part of. I will admit that I haven't memorized, there's about 12 algorithms that you need to memorize in order to solve the whole thing. But I do know, I have done it like watching a video tutorial and it is immensely satisfying when you do solve it. Yeah. And I I know that the road to improvement is very quick. Like you can go from, it took me like 45 minutes watching a video tutorial, <laughs> but you can go from that to two minutes within like a week if you just practice enough. Yeah. So. I agree. I just, I haven't had enough time to just sit and memorize the algorithms, but when I do, I know it's going to be a good little, um, you know, brain activity exactly. and mind killer. And it's like doing the the crossword puzzle, the Sunday, you know, crossword yeah. puzzle. It's, yeah. it's enjoyable. And it's a, it's a challenge to yourself. Yeah. It's brain flexing. I would yes. call it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, well, good. Well, I'll, well, thank you for bringing this world to us. <laughs> no problem. Thank you for watching it and connecting with it. I did, definitely did. Again, the film is called The Speed Cubers, and we've been talking with the producer and director of the film, Sue Kim. And you mentioned your producers. Let me mention Evan Krauss and Chris Romano as the producers, co-producers of the film. And your cinematographer, Chris Olson, and Ben Beyond... (laughs) Blunner Hassett. Okay, <laughs> say it. Say it for our audience again. It's a mouthful, yeah. I just Ben Blunner has it. I, okay. I I usually just call him Ben Blunner. It's easier. <laughs> All right. Well, a terrific team and a, a, a real feel good film. A really wonderful jolt of energy. Not only watching it, but watching uh, these wonderful people do what they do. So thank you, Sue Kim, for for that. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Film School Radio.